Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, we're going to start tonight in this book called First Thessalonians. It's a great book. Um, it deals a lot with end times, and so I thought that's pretty relevant to where we are today. Plus, when you understand what the letter's about and who it's written to, it's eerie how similar things are. This is one of Paul's first letters. It was written about 50 A.D., and Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. It was a city that was pretty large for that day and time, about 200,000 people, about the size of Cape Coral. That's a pretty big town. And so that's how many people were there. It was mainly Greeks, but there were some Romans, there were some Jews, and Paul writes to them because they're being persecuted. They're going through a hard time. Imagine that. Now, not only are they being persecuted, but they begin to develop some weird ideas about end times. Imagine that. Not only that, the city was very immoral. Imagine that. And they were getting discouraged. Can you figure? So it relates to us because what we see is a group of people living in a difficult time in a place where immorality surrounded them, where they didn't understand what was going on, and they were discouraged by everything that was happening. So this, this evening what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first chapter, chapter 1. So that's where we'll begin, and we're going to begin with how they're a chosen people, a chosen people people. So verses 1 through 4, that's what we're going to discuss here under this topic. Verse 1, letters from Paul, Silas, Timothy. And Paul includes them, and they all might have had a little hand in writing that and helping Paul with it. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. Now, if you remember, if you notice, this is a very familiar introduction by Paul. He uses it a lot in his letters, grace and peace. It's a great thing to have. The grace, the strength that you need to go, and the peace while you do it. Verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and pray for you continually. That's pretty well mentioned in many of his writings as well. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be His very own people. So, we're going to focus in here on verse 3 because he mentions three things about the, these people that are really the three evidence of the Christian life. Well, if I'm a Christian, what is it that I should have? First of all, it's the big three, faith, hope, and love, right? That's what we base everything on. That's what the Scripture puts as preeminent and everything. You need those three things as you live for God and work with God. So let's look at them. The first one is your faithful work, your faithful work. Now, in other words, you're doing work, and you're doing it faithfully. You're faithfully being obedient to what God wants you to do. Now, how many of you understand that… Um, what God wants you to do isn't always easy. Thus, it's work sometimes, isn't it? Work isn't always easy. You don't wake up every morning going, oh boy, 
Guess what I get to do today? Some days you do. Some days you don't. But they were faithfully working, doing what God wanted them to do. Romans chapter 4, verse 5, people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Now, there's a little confusion sometimes with this whole idea and understanding of faith. Well, I got faith, and yet James tells us very clearly, and we're going to read it in a moment, that faith without works is dead. So, we are not saved by works, correct? But if we're saved, we will work. We will do what God wants us to do. So, works don't save you, but works are important in your walk with God. So, notice here what James says about this. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Abraham, I want you to go offer your sin. Now, that's work, and you have to have faith to do that, don't you? Okay, God, I know you want me to do this. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't understand this, but I will faithfully do whichever you want me to do. You see, his faith and his actions work together. So, his actions made his faith complete. You don't have faith unless there's action to it. You can say you believe all you want to believe, but until your life, your actions demonstrate it, you don't. And so it happened, just as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God. God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. You can say you believe God, and nobody can argue with that, but your actions should prove that. Verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath so also faith is dead without good works. And so he writes to these people and he says, look, I know of your good works. I know you're doing things that are hard. You're being faithful at it. Good for you. Way to go. Then he talks about their loving deeds. Now, you see, this is different than your faithful works, or it should be anyway. If you love someone you do something for them, don't you? Now, let me walk on thin ice here. If you really love them, that shouldn't be work, should it? Although a lot of people say, I love them, but boy. No, no, no. Loving deeds. I do this out of love. I do this because I'm motivated by love. Love always gives. You can't love without giving. You can't have faith without working. And so love is something that I act on because I do that and because I want to, and it is a joy to do so. James chapter 3, wisdom from above is first of all pure, it's peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of 
mercy, good deeds, the, the fruit of that, and it shows no favoritism. It's always sincere. You know, it, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Pastor, are you kidding me? That's, that's it? I got to do all of those things? Loving, gentle, all times, yield to others? If you love somebody, you're willing to do that, correct? Yes. And so love takes you beyond reason. Love causes you to act in a manner that isn't always reasonable. I mean, look at young couples when they fall in love. For some of you, try to remember back that time, although your memory is probably doesn't go back that far right now. But when you were young and in love, you did some unreasonable things to prove your love, right? Okay, a few of you. All right, good. So, your loving deeds. He says, look, I've heard your faithful works are there. I know that. I, I'm proud of you for it. Your loving deeds, you're doing things out of your love for God and love for other, one another, and you're giving to that, and then you're enduring hope. You're enduring hope. Now, Corinthians talks to us about that. It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, of the three, I have found over the years that what most people struggle with the most is hope. We kind of get love. We understand God loves us. We're to love others. We understand that whole concept. We really buy into faith, and faith's been misconstrued, misused how many times. But that word hope, we tend to let go of. And yet, let me put it to you this way. Hope gives energy to faith and love. Without hope, you won't love. Now the relationship is dead. It's hopeless. And you give up, right? Well, I'm not sure this is going to be worth it. No, I know it will be worth it. And so faith becomes the critical component that holds the three together, and in reality, you really can't separate the three. It's not, I got two out of the three. It's not, I do. Hope is the one that really puts fuel into it, is the one that helps you stay motivated. It allows you to work because you know, I'm going to do this. It's going to be worth it. I love somebody, so I will do this. And, you know, and hope keeps you going. If there's one thing we need today as Christians, it's hope. Someday, this is going to be over with. But as time goes on, we begin to question that, don't we? You can't lose hope. And so if Paul writes to them and talks to them about their Christian walk and talks to them about how they are a chosen people. 1 Peter 2.9, you're not like the others. You're not like that. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful life. You see, faith, hope, and love show others. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But here it is again, and that's where Paul starts. He usually always starts his letters with an encouragement. Here's what I'm happy for. Here's what you're doing. Here's what's going on. He's, he's a master of it. And then he talks about how they are convicted people. Not only are they chosen, they're convicted. They've allowed God to bring conviction into their life. 
verse 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power, for the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. Now, just you should know this, but let me just say it here. When the good news is presented, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is what brings conviction. They work in tandem, so to speak. God's Word and the Spirit of God work together to bring conviction to people. You know that our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message. In other words, when I was there speaking to you, you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. We'll talk about that in a moment. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. And as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Archaea. So he tells them, look, we came, we gave you the good news, and the words we spoke were powerful not because of us, but because of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, before I speak, I'm going to say, God, look, I'm going to say some words. My words won't change anybody's life unless the Holy Spirit takes them and directs them. It's never me. It's always the truth of God's Word with the Holy Spirit bringing the conviction, bringing the awareness of it, the life to it that needs to be brought. Now, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. He does not bring condemnation. Satan condemns. He beats you up. God will never forgive you for that. You're going to pay for this the rest of your life. Look how miserable you are. Look at how bad you are. Look at the circumstances. You've done all of this. You've made a mess of things. It's your fault. You're always going to pay. You'll never get over this. You're just horrible. You're worthless. You can't do it. That's never the Holy Spirit. That's what Satan does. The Holy Spirit always brings you to God. So what separates us from God? Sin. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Look, this area in your life is hindering your walk with God. Why don't we address it? Why don't you let me help you with it? Why don't you bring it to God and let Him forgive you for it? Why, why don't you get rid of it? Why don't you go beyond it? And that's how the Holy Spirit works. And so many times people get this so confused and so mixed up. The Holy Spirit is always one who convicts. And the moment we are willing to agree with Him, we don't have to be guilty anymore. And so that's how He works. And he goes on to say, look, you, you not only heard what we said, you not only, you know, received it, but you received it with joy, and you lived it, and what happened? They had peace forever. Now, what's it say? They were persecuted because of it. And you see, here's another misconception that we have. If I do what God wants me to do, and live obedient to God's Word, and listen to the Holy Spirit, and do everything He says, then I will have a wonderful life with no problems. Wrong. In fact, if you do what God wants you to do, it will probably bring you to difficulty. That's where 
Your faithful work has to come in. Your loving deeds has to keep going. And your hope has to go on. So here's a group of people going through persecutions, looking to think, well, God, we're serving you. We're doing what's right. Why are we having such a hard time? And sometimes if you just listen and say, because you're serving me. And you're in a battle and the enemy's doing everything he can to prevent you from having the life and to keep you going. He's trying to get you away from what God wants. And he knows that if he makes life hard for us and difficult for us, many times, now, hear me, the Holy Spirit's there saying, look, I'll I'll help you. Why don't you listen to me and let's work on this together and do this. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, you don't need to do this. Just go your own way and do your own thing. And unfortunately, who do people listen to most of the time? The problems, the difficulties, the hurts, the fears, all those things. And we don't listen to what God wants to do because we think, hold it, I'm a Christian, I'm doing what's right. Life should be easy, not understanding that often life gets hard because we're doing the right thing. Doing the right thing is hard at first but it always gets easier. Doing the wrong thing is easy at first, but it always gets harder. And we struggle. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been made right with God in His sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Peace. Remember Jesus said, look, I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives. I'm going to give you peace that comes from me. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently, what's, what's the confidence? Hope, right? Joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That's called hope. Verse 3, we can rejoice too whenever we run into problems and trials. Are you kidding me? Rejoice when there's problems? <laughs> For we know that they help us develop endurance. That's what faith does. Faith endures. That's what love does. Love endures. Endurance develops strength of character. Imagine that. You do what's right. You keep going. It's not easy, but you persevere, and your character is shaped and formed by that. And when your character is strengthened, you have a confident hope and the hope of salvation. God's going to take care of me. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's good to know. You'll never be disappointed by doing what God wants you to do. Even though it's hard and difficult, in the long run, you'll never be disappointed for it. We know how dearly God loves us, He's given us His Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love, to work in us, to help us, to bring us through so that we can be the people God wants us to be and we get to live with the joy of knowing God's at work. Then he talks to a credible people. A credible people. Verse 8, And now... The word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Archaea. 
our faith, our love, our hope should be a light to people around us. People should see it. People should know it. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. And because they served God, because they did what was right, people were impressed. People came to a place where, wow, look what they did, and look how they lived, and look what they did. And our faith should be an example to others because here's what we know. People are watching your life. People you don't even know are watching your life. We did baby dedications in both services Sunday. One of the things I tried to get across to people is when you raise that child, here's one thing you know, that child is going to be watching you. And then you know what happens when they watch you? They mimic you. Why? Because you influence them. And you influence them, and you don't even have to say a word. You see, it's one of those things that kids, as they grow up, are watching their parents. And see, kids struggle sometimes because their parents say one thing but do another. And that brings a big disconnect to them about, well, what's right, what's wrong. And to understand that, look, you live a life honoring God, love, joy, peace, faith, hope, other people will take notice and talk positive about you even though they maybe don't like you. And our actions and our attitudes should be sending a positive message to other people. Notice it says they turned away from idols. They left what everyone else was doing. The city is filled with idol worshiping. They turned their back on it. They went a different direction. They raised the bar. Because when you accept God into your life, it involves a change of direction, correct? We have a word for that, don't we? It's called repentance. We change the way we're going and we go another direction. People notice that. Well, hold it. You used to do this with us and now you don't do that anymore. What happened? Well, I became a Christian. And now my life is lived in a different way, in a different manner. Well, but if I do that, I might lose this, and I might not be able to make this. That's where faith comes in, doesn't it? I believe if I'll do what's right, God will take care of me. God will get me through this. Well, that means it'll be easy to do that? No, no, no. It might be really hard. There might be, kind of hold your gasp, some suffering involved. And see, they're going through persecution, aren't they? And so what's Paul trying to tell them? Look, you have made some good choices. You have done some good things. Don't give up on it. Don't quit. Stay true. You did this. You turned away from the idols. You start doing what is right for God. Other people are taking notice of it. Be encouraged by it. 
He's trying to encourage them by pointing out things to them that they need to keep going and not turn around. And he's going to deal with some of that stuff later on in this book. But here at the beginning, he's just trying to let them know, look, I understand where you're at. I know what you're going through. You've received the message. You, you responded to it properly and rightly. You're doing what's right. There might be some persecution. But if you noticed in the verses that we've read, there's this little word that keeps cropping up over and over again called joy. And again, I'll just tell you, Christians should be the most joyful people in the world. In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly, be joyful always. Always. So he tells them, look, I want you to be a confident people. I want you to be confident in what you're doing. I don't want you to waver. I don't want you to think about giving up. I don't want you to lose what you've got. I want you to stay true and be confident in it. Notice what he says, verse 10. They speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. Now, Paul's going to get into this because this is creating some problems for them. Let me just tell you what they are. We'll get into it, but I'll give you a little heads up. What they thought was, hey, hey, hold it. Jesus is coming back, but people are dying. Are they going to miss Jesus coming back? What's going to happen to them? What's going on? In other words, he's not coming back soon enough. Ever thought that? So he's going to address that with them. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Every chapter in this book has something to say about end times. They believed he's coming back. I hope all of you do. They were expecting his return. But as things got hard and difficult, they began to question, hold it. I'm ready to go now. Why isn't this happening? And how many of you understand, and we've talked about this before, when things don't happen like we think they should and we believe this and thought this, what do we start doing? We start making up our own beliefs, don't we? Well, it's because of this. Well, we got to do this. We got to do this. But here's what Paul says. Look, here's what you need to know. Your life's getting hard. You're being persecuted. You've been faithful. You've accepted Christ. You've done what's right. A judgment is coming but he is the one who, notice what he just says. He doesn't say will, he says has. It's already happened. He is the one who has rescued us from the coming judgment. It's already taken place. He's already won the battle. God's in control. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Keep working faithfully. Keep doing things lovingly. And be confident in your hope. He's coming again. And he has already won a battle. Judgment's coming. Be faithful until the end. And that's what he's going to tell these people, and that's where he's going with this book. So tonight, 
Are you being obedient to what God wants you to do? Your faith. It's not just saying you believe, but your actions are backing it up. Is your life being lived with doing the things you want to do because of your love for God and your love for people? And do you have hope? A hope that no matter what happens or what transpires or what goes down, God is going to keep His Word and He will always be faithful. Count on it. He has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Lord, tonight we thank You for the hope that You give to us. We thank You for the life that is ours because of what Jesus Christ has done. Help us to persevere. Help us to not give up. Help us to be faithful in our day-to-day living for You, being obedient to You, and by faith, doing the things that You want us to do. Help us to be filled with Your love for You and for people, and to respond and give as You have given to us because of Your love for us. And Lord, we thank You that we can live in the day and time in which we live as people of great hope, knowing that God is going to be faithful, and one day He is coming again, and we look forward to that day. Help us to live our lives with the attitudes and actions that confirm this. We pray that You will help us do that. In Thy name we pray. Everybody said? Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.